everyone. This is Nanette from NanetteFayGordon.com, and you're listening to the Fire After 50 podcast. This is the spot where I sit down with passionate women over the age of 50, and we explore what lights them on fire. Women who listen to their own intuition to design a life they love, many in unconventional ways. So sit back and prepare to be inspired. Hey, this is Nanette Gordon from Nanette Fay Photography, and you're listening to the Fire After 50 podcast, and this is the first episode, and I'm really excited to welcome my friend and colleague, Catherine Chapman, who hails from outside of London, uh, to be in my first episode. And I wanted to start this podcast uh, because I finished a huge project last year and I photographed over 30 women over the age of 50. They blew me away with their, their courage and how they lived and all of the interesting things they were doing and the dreams they still had and how they really came from a very intuitive place in how they were designing their lives and how they were living their lives in many um, doing unconventional things. It could be how they were living unconventionally or the kind of work they were doing that seemed very unconventional in our society. Um, You know, it could be how they were loving. It could be so many things that struck me as maybe a little bit out of the norm, but in a really great way because they listened to themselves, they listened to their hearts, they listened to their minds, and they were designing lives that really were meaningful and they were true to them. And I really wanted to start talking to more of those women in meeting more of those women. And so I was like, why not start a podcast? Why not reach out to lots of women over 50 who I view from the outside as being super interesting and doing things that look so creative and that I wanted to know more of. And I thought, if I want to know more about these women, uh, maybe you do too. So today is the first episode, and it's going to be with my friend, as I mentioned, Catherine Chapman. Uh, she's a therapeutic photographer. She is a self-portrait photographer. Um, she lives from a very intuitive place. Uh, she's designed something called the felt process that we'll talk about. Um, and you're going to be very interested to, interested to hear how Catherine has done a lot of self-healing and then she has transferred that into her business or transpired that, transported that into her business um, and how she's helping other women uh, come from a very felt process and see themselves oftentimes in very different, a very different light. So you're going to be inspired by Catherine. I'm inspired get by Catherine. And so here we go. Good morning, Catherine. Good morning. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. It's really thank hot you for asking me. Absolutely, it's it's hot and muggy here uh, in Maine. But what what's the weather over in the London area? Yeah, a bit shit. <laughs> it's been raining oh really we had lots of that in the spring but now it's just really hot and really muggy but at least the gardens are happy yeah quite quite so welcome to the first episode of the fire after 50 podcast and it's so exciting it's so exciting I'm actually really thrilled it's been a long time coming and I'm thrilled that you're the first person that um that I'm interviewing and that we're talking about all these things that are really so near and dear to my heart, Um, being intuitive and designing our own lives and how, you know, how that all looks and how it works. And I mean, I've been in awe of you for a long time. Um, You know, a big part of it is what I see you producing for work, but a bigger, even a bigger part of it is I think, um, what I that you can come up with these things that <laughs> you create that I'm like, how in God's name did she come up with that? And well, it's like it's amazing to me. 
that's so kind of you and and i appreciate your um generosity very much there thank you the feeling is mutual i love what you do as well but truthfully <laughs> i just do what interests me or what i have a burning desire to do it's you know i don't wait for inspiration i'm like oh i'll do that that sounds or feels a bit interesting maybe i'll do that and you know like you i have a lot of ideas but it's the ones that stay with me are the ones that i try and the ones that i'll see you know that they're the ones really to take notice of i think mm -hmm. the ones that don't go away mm -hmm. and uh, you know like like you said if you know if in your intro if i'm interested in it then maybe someone else is as well yeah you absolutely know? absolutely and i always go back to the book big magic where and i remind myself of this like when an inspiration comes to me if i don't grab a hold of it and do something with it it's going to move on to someone else and, and i think i think you were the first person that introduced me to that um school of thought and it has stayed with me ever since it's very powerful and i have thought about it a lot and and it, it almost adds a little bit of anxiety to it as well because you never <laughs> quite know which ones you should be doing but i will still go back to that what is nagging me and, mm, and listen yeah. to that but thank you for that such a beautiful gift that was from you thank you yeah you're welcome and so the lead-in is i want to know what you're most passionate about in your life right now I am most passionate about living into my purpose with alignment. So living what I say, do you know what I mean? What I say to others. So walking my talk, um, embodying my philosophies and life approach. Mm. And does that feel like it takes a lot of effort? That's a good question. It takes focus, definitely. It takes precise prioritization. The effort is in the remembering, the reminding, the noticing when you're off course and popping yourself back on course i think when you're in flow and you're doing it no it's not an effort but i think because of how life is because of the conditioning because of the expectation because of the demands of society and the external pressures i think it's very easy to slip into what we're not and lose our sense of self and I think the trick is finding what helps keep us where we want to be mm. and to find opting in to what works and opting out of what doesn't. So mm. for instance, I don't watch the news. Mm -hmm. I, I, I very rarely watch or listen to the news and that is a conscious choice because I know awful stuff goes on in the world and I, I mean, like you, I'm a huge empath. So I, so I feel all of that very deeply and I don't need to see it every day because it drains me of energy. And that means that I'm not, I don't have enough left to do why I'm here, you know, do my purpose. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Mm, that's kind of that that that's what's important to me is is to you know i'm 50 coming up 51 and um you know i've lived most of my life i had that realization this morning fucking hell mm, i've lived mm. most of my life how am i living the rest of it mm, you know mm. and uh that focus and the deciding what to go towards and what to move away from becomes more honed the older I get things fall away much easier you know I think that the closer to death we get the less important the unimportant things show themselves to be mm. um, I completely and agree with you and I'm I'm 63 heading to 64 in November and 
And I'm feeling the same way um, mm -hmm. that, you know, every day I have a limited, lim limited amount of time and a limited amount of energy. And I have to make decisions about how I'm going to spend those hours and how I'm going to spend that energy. Mm -hmm. And it becomes much more conscientious and much more focused. I, I agree with you. And mm -hmm. yeah, I, I, and also, you know, the, your answer about um, um, that sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's easy when we're in flow. I find the same thing that it, it's easy to stay with what's important to me and <clears throat> living my dream and going towards what I want. But some days it will be two or three o'clock in the afternoon and I'll realize that the world has pulled me in 15 different directions and I need to focus and sit for a minute on the couch or lay on the bed for five minutes and pull myself back to where I wanted to be on that day, what mm. I wanted to be doing. And um, society really can do that if if we allow it to happen, especially us with mm. you know children and families or partners or all yeah. the things. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, we are always at choice in absolutely everything we do, how we live our lives, what we opt into and what we opt out of. Who who said that the, the, the way that most people live their lives is the right way? Mm. It's just how society has been formed. There isn't a wrong way to live unless you're harming other people. That's the wrong way to live. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you know, if, if you're if you're not harming anyone, there isn't a wrong way mm. to exist. You know, yeah. you can do it your own way and you can choose to, you can choose what to, you know, what to lean into and what to move away from. I love that, Catherine. Um, so you are a therapeutic photographer. Um, and I think you might have other names for what you do also, <laughs> but I really kind of want to dig into that a little bit. Um, and could you explain to us um, what therapeutic photography is? Uh, it's using photographs in a way that improves your mental health and well-being. And it's, I suppose it's, it's a way of looking at things differently through photographs and using co coaching questions really isn't it to offer and invite a different perspective and to think about things that you'd not thought about before um, and to use it as a reflective tool to notice more about who you are what you need and what might change as a result mm. Mm. great and how did you first become interested in the intersection between um, mental health, um, and photography. Well, that was a massive accident. Um, and it was again, me doing something for me. So I was, I had been in and out of, in and out of talking therapy for about 25 years and with severe depression and suicidal tendencies and, uh, a period in in hospital and i wasn't getting anywhere and i decided one day i decided that i wanted to look at my depression i wanted to see if it was as bad as it felt as it is yeah as it felt and i wanted to kind of it was kind of like an ultimate challenge really if what i felt in you know the thoughts I had in my head, the feelings I had in my body, if I couldn't see them in, in, in a self-portrait shoot, I would then put, put, try and put my mental health to one side and just, just really surrender to being depressed for the rest of my life. That's where I was at. Mm, it was wow. like, right, this is, this, this is a turning point for me. If I can't see it, I'm just gonna do what I can to get on with my life whilst living with this but not try and solve it anymore it was so visually you, know, I, it, you wanted to visually see it when you looked at the photograph that you took yeah so what i did was i sat with my most difficult emotions and just photographed what was there and 
yeah so it was that it was i was embodying my emotions and i was experiencing them at their fullest and i was just pressing the button mm. you know and seeing you know wait <laughs> waited to see what what was in the pictures when i uploaded them to my computer and it changed totally changed my life um i saw a woman in agony and in pain and the only person that could help her was me mm. i had i was able to extend myself compassion and love and kindness and gentleness for the first time ever ever yeah. in my life mm. um i felt i didn't felt sorry for myself i i was like oh my god i need to do something about this this woman needs me Mm. um You're looking like from a third person catherine mm. like a like a like a third person kind of viewing or yeah and i think that that's that's what i came to understand that therapeutic photography was all about was especially you know especially with pictures of your own of your own image at whatever age is because you're not in your head you're looking at a picture um you can't you you get that removed perspective like you're in the third person like you're looking at somebody slightly removed so it's it's like it's you but it's not you kind of thing um uh and and, and that was what it was it was that distance between me and the you know the, the photograph that allowed me that space for compassion mm. and a self-appreciation and self-acceptance to come in mm. were you surprised hell Alexa. yeah <laughs> oh yeah i mean i i didn't criticize myself mm. i didn't look at myself i don't even in the pictures you know i i didn't choose to um edit or or, or to look at further i don't think i don't think i saw in any of them particularly uh, there was there was no sense of criticism self-criticism mm. that i used usually had with photographs it was like Oh my god mm. you know what part of that is me and and mm. what was going on there and and how does this picture make me feel and, and so what can i learn from who i'm looking at mm. so interesting and such a different viewpoint of how most of us i think especially women look at images as, of ourselves mm. that we are we do come from such a critical point of view so often and to be able to look at yourself and see, you know, a woman that you felt empathy for mm -hmm. and knew that you were the only person that could help her. That I mean, that's like mind boggling, really mind boggling. Well, it was because it was so clear. I mean, mm -hmm. it was just it it was like black and white. It was that clear for me. It was like obviously this is you the, the woman looking at me was going it's you who i need i do not need anybody else stop looking for your answers elsewhere and start looking within start looking at me mm. and it and it was like oh right then okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> and on with your life right <laughs> yeah and, and it, it was it was the catalyst for self-care and self-compassion and self liking and self-loving that mm. I, I'd never had before. And, and it started me on a journey that I'm still on since. So that was 18th of April, 2018. Mm. It was over five years ago and it completely changed me uh, irrevocably. And I still, every now and again, I go, mm, am I really depression free? And I am. <laughs> it's it's I really so am. wonderful. It's so wonderful. It, it is. You found it is. a process. There's so many processes, aren't there, really, in this world yeah. that people can find to heal themselves? It's yeah. finding the right process to work for you or whoever that person is yeah. suffering. And the fact that you were able to find it, maybe that's why you were a photographer in the very first place, was to mm -hmm. find this process, you know? <laughs> Wow. I, I never thought of it like that. That's lovely. Thank you, Nanette. Um, yeah. What I would say is don't wait 25 years like I did doing the same thing over and over and over again. You know, if you try something um, and you're not sure if it's working or it doesn't work as much as you wanted to, try something else. Try things con concurrently. You know, you can do more than one thing at once, um, but don't stop looking because there will be something out there that is right for you. Mm. Um, and everything that you do that doesn't work just means you're that step closer to finding what does. And if you have to go through finding what doesn't work to find what does, that's fine. 
Yeah. And, and it's, it's work well worth doing. Mm-hmm. And if you don't try, you'll never be on that journey to heal yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it may be that it's bits from lots of different things. It doesn't have to be one certain thing, you know, and certainly now to maintain my mental health, I have a, you know, a basket of things that I love to do on a daily basis that are really important to me. Um, so it, you know, we are complex, multifaceted beings. There isn't going to be one thing that's going to work every single time for everybody. There will be stuff that you dip in and dip out to. You know, we, we're made up of our mental health, our physical health, our spiritual health, our emotional health, and they all take different things that that they all need feeding in different ways. Yes. Nurturing. Yeah. Well, I think um, you and I have talked about this before, and you know that I created a film during COVID um, mm. called Exposed to the Light. And Beautiful. Um, it really hits on almost the exact same topic that you're um, you're referring to. I think your puppy just came in. Aww. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and, you know, it was very, that whole process was very eye-opening for me to have a woman mm-hmm. say to me, will you please photograph me at the lowest of low? I know that I'm at the bottom. I think I might be going up from here, but I would like to have it documented for myself. And she also wanted to show um, a, a couple other people who she felt like really weren't hearing her. They, she mm. wanted to be able to show them, show them the pain. Oh, and, it's beautiful. It's such a beautiful piece of work. Thank you. Thank you. And that was really my sort of introduction into what I would call, you know, therapeutic photography. And it was just so heart-wrenching, but beautiful. And uh, it made me fall in love with photography even more and in portraiture Mm. even more too, Mm. I think. It really gets to some really deep parts of me too. I mean, each time I photograph someone, whether if it's for therapeutic reasons or or not, it it really gives me such a huge gift. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. And so you have taken this process that you did for yourself to help heal yourself. And you have taken that process to help other people, other women. Mm -hmm. I think just women, I'm not sure. Maybe there's been two. Um, And I wonder, could you just explain that a a little bit as to how how you're doing that process with with other people? So um, the shoot that I've talked about is called Face to Face, but I also did um, another self-portrait shoot about five months afterwards which which uh, I called my freedom shoot which I now do with um other women as well and that was very celebratory that was so new to me to feel like I wanted to celebrate myself that was just like Mm, amazing (laughs) a a very novel (laughs) feeling and only five Um, months after your first shoot I know and you know going from you know serious depression to woohoo I want to photograph myself in a frock made out of a parachute on the side of a windy hill <laughs> in front of people random people who were out there walking it was just ridiculous so I need to let the dog out that's fine <laughs> um so yeah so the processes that I've taken myself through I I take my clients through and it really was you know, doing the two shoots and having both of them reveal so much for me. So my face-to-face shoot was about self-acceptance and self-care and self-love and compassion. My freedom shoot was about, right, what can I do? What am I capable of? What's possible? Um, And, you know, the face-to-face is kind of making sense of my past, I suppose, and loving every part of me and the freedom shoot is right now i'm in that positive space where do i want to go what can i do and achieve and the answer to that is whatever i want whatever i you know think up um and so i take my clients through pretty much exactly the same process that i did on myself um i've added other bits into it because so they, they sit with you to do their face to face. It's they, they sit with you and just feel the emotions and you document that. Um, it's not quite as deep as that. Um, mm-hmm. because 
I sat and I felt my emotions. I went as deep as I could, but with my clients, um, it's, I photograph a conversation that we're having. So we're talking about whatever they want to talk about. So they're sitting with whatever they choose to sit with and as deeply as they want to sit with it. it and it, it's, it's all led by them. It's all, they go where they want to go as deep as they want to go. There's no pushing. There's no, you know, cajoling into, into, into going into places that are, they're not ready to go. So, um, it's, it is slightly different. And because it's a conversation, it's really free flowing. There's no looking at the camera. Um, I'm right next to the camera. Um, but it's, it's still, and it's a conversation yeah. and it's them expressing what they can't usually express to a other people or be in a world where emotions are diluted or frowned upon mm -hmm. or pushed away or ignored um, or are treated as not human as overreaction or that kind of stuff so it's a safe space yeah. for for every emotion and every emotion is welcome um so that's the face-to-face -face. and then the freedom shoot that's you know that their face-to-face is indoors freedom shoots are outdoors and they are with the the big frocks the big movement connection to to the surroundings it's all guided by me but that's that's no talking so that's the difference so it's all about the embodiment of your own self and the opportunity to be with yourself as part of nature, as part of the universe, to, to feel into your expansion and your possibility and your infiniteness and, and to really feel and move with that and have the chance to have that photographed. Mm. And those photographs are just spectacular. Um, you put a new one up just, I think it was yesterday actually, um, that just like, it just blew me away. It was the just black and white, the black and white. Yeah. And I mean, I want to do that with you, Catherine. And someday I'm going to come there and we're going to do that. <laughs> because, oh, I'd love that. Oh my, they do. They look so free. They look so unencumbered by yeah. themselves or other people or society. They just look, they look in the photographs like they could do anything. Oh, that's amazing. Oh. That's wonderful feedback. Thank you. In fact, one one of my clients says she felt untamed, which mm. I love. Oh, I you, love you know, that. The, the the inference is is how tamed she has felt. Mm. Um, but and then becoming untamed. It's just oh, it's it's, it's beautiful. And oh. the way that I work is to facilitate as much as possible that letting go of all that society puts on us you know, taking off your mother, daughter, sister, friend, worker, whatever hat you have on, taking all those hats off and just being with whoever is under there, mm. whoever is left. Mm. And quite often we wear so many hats that we don't actually know who we are. Yeah, absolutely. Because we don't have space for that. And who we are under there we're always draw-droppingly draw beautiful. We're mm -hmm. always these beautiful kind of spiritual, connected, incredible wonders of nature. Mm. And it's a, it, it, they, they shoots make my soul sing. So yeah. they really are amazing. And they just must be so transformative for each of the women that get to be in front of your camera. And then to be able to have that photograph you know, to be able to put it on their bureau to look at every morning or put over their fireplace to look at every evening. Or, I mean, I just can't imagine having a photograph of myself like that, truly. I mean, that's, well, yeah. Oh, well, we, de <laughs> we definitely have to do it. We uh, do. Well, I, I want, um, I'd really, I'd really love, and I keep asking every Freedom Shoot client, I always go, just, just get it on wallpaper. Just put this picture on wallpaper on one of your walls in your house and i'm and i just as we're speaking i just think maybe i'm actually talking to myself and maybe i just need to put one of my pictures as wallpaper on my wall yes. do you have one in your studio <laughs> well i've got three one pictures of, them? of my freedom shoot up <laughs> which are yeah. always up and they they remind me every day of my possibility yeah. and i've got a picture from my 
face-to-face -face shoot as well that's great um so yeah I mean, you can't deny what's looking back at you in an image you can't no. say no that's not a that's that's not, that's not an extraordinary person um mm -hmm. and and i know you know it just it feels weird to say it but that's how it is it's mm -hmm. like mm. yes this is yeah. you you right. are that magnificent yeah <laughs> please receive that yes. and then go out and show the world yeah. you are in you know incredible and you can do anything you want mm -hmm. and we just so often just shut that down don't we and mm. um yeah and we really are we're, we're infinite and totally. it's beautiful absolutely beautiful um yeah i just feel like i have so many questions i want to <laughs> ask you um what was one significant change or transformation that you've seen in a client and i know that you mentioned the tame to untamed but do you have another one you could share with us well what I, one of the things I love to do is in the in the therapeutic part of the shoots is to talk about an image in clients' galleries that they that they don't like or they like the least, um, and and that's really important focus because that's where the therapeutic photography really comes into its own. Um, because I will talk to the client about what they don't like, what they're seeing, and then I invite a different perspective. I mm. tell them what I see mm -hmm. um, and um, use the therapeutic process to allow them to see themselves differently and to see themselves better. Mm. Um, that. And that transformation is amazing. And you know, that kind of sometimes it's almost a bit begrudgingly because they really <laughs> want to not like the image. And then we've had this conversation and they I can see it and I can feel it. Um, and they're like, yeah, I love that picture. Now. <laughs> um, and, and that's what a real fist pump, you know, yes. moment. And I'm like, that's what it's all about. Mm. And then, you know, from then on, the invitation is, well, how are you going to look at yourself? In other pictures of yourself what do you see now how has the work we've done together changed that mm. and also what you see in the mirror mm -hmm. um, but i think particularly um images are particularly powerful because they are static because they are a moment that you can sit with for a long time and and i know mirror work is very powerful but for me the power is in the still mm. The yeah. still movements and yeah. not not our not a video not the mirror it's it's the movement of of us in this in the still picture mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. who is there um because you can really get into the minutiae and really kind of burrow into who is there who is really there what do we really see how do we really feel about them when we can start so being critical right yeah you look, you look beyond the superficial you look beyond mm. you know your height or your weight or the size of your nose which was massive for me my nose was massive my nose still is not small but it, it's like it, it's not massively big but it used to be one of my <laughs> hang-ups right but i don't look at those pictures and go god i've got a massive nose no. i i look at my i don't notice my nose no no i don't notice big. it anymore wow you know and and because because you understand the power of the soul our soul who we are being rather than what we look like because it's yeah. you know it's I, I know it's important for people but it's 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 about our essence and, and who we are underneath and that and that's what therapeutic photography invites you mm. to see mm. you know, if you choose to see it you know some people don't right. don't and can't see it you yeah. know i have had clients who cannot see it because they do not want to go there because mm -hmm. their own possibility their own strength and beauty frightens them Yes, yes. It's yeah, like but, they're afraid of being too much. They're afraid of seeing too much or realizing how much they really could be doing in this world. Or Yeah, I mean, this is the, the fear of being so much more than they ever thought they were and could be. Yeah. And, and and that can be really frightening. Mm -hmm. And I get that. It can be really, mm -hmm. it can be too much, too overwhelming, too much to take on board. Yeah, I um, get that too. Because then, then, you, mm. then you do have some expectations of yourself, I think. Mm -hmm to do more and do bigger and put yourself out in the world more and yeah 
if you see yeah, it, then, right. then then the invitation is to step up and be it. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do <laughs> Maybe that. Maybe I want to put that mask back on and, and go back in. But yeah. after you but see you know it, what? you can't unsee it. No, exactly. And, and you know, the lovely thing about what we do is we've planted the seed mm. and they, they may not ever choose to, to see it, but they might do, you know, at a later date. Yes, right. And, and it won't, like you've just said, it won't go, they can't unsee what they've seen. So yeah. that lovely, yeah. beautiful seed has been planted mm. um, and it will, you know, it will be there. It won't mm -hmm. ever go away. Um, and it may come, you know, may start growing. And, mm -hmm. and how exciting is that to know that, that that's out there? Right. is incredible. Yeah. Well, I had a, a similar experience um, a few weeks ago when I was working with, um, a, um, I, I guess a counselor, I guess I call her a counselor. Um, and I um, had to remember a picture that was taken of me as a child um, in a positive, in a positive environment and in, in a picture that I remembered as being a very positive memory of childhood. And I remember distinctly this image of me in my little girl nighty um, early in the morning out on the dock at the lake where I spent every summer with my family and I was feeding the ducks and I probably was maybe six or seven years old. And that picture in my mind that is an actual, it is an actual photograph of me Um it is the most amazing memory for me to be able to put myself back in the child, the child in me. Whenever now I want to think about um, the child in me and to nurture the child in me or bring out more the child in me, I go back to that picture of that little girl in her nighty, happy as a lark in the sunshine by the water, feeding the ducks. And, you know, I can't deny that that was an adorable little girl who is so free and so comfortable in her own skin and just was joyful, joyful. And um, that was what a photograph of a memory. I mean, this is a years and years and years ago, a memory of that photograph, which actually exists, um, has done, you know, for for me to be able to remember mm. myself in childhood. and. Um, yeah, I think photographs are just, they're absolutely incredible for us to be able to look at and to dive into. Mm. Yeah, uh, I think so. And I think, I think, you know, when you're not used to looking at images in that way, it's very important to have somebody there to guide you and hold you in that process. Mm. Um, because, you know, it's it's important to feel supportive and if stuff comes up then you have a safe space to be in that um and you know good good stuff as well as bad stuff can come up you know and, and whatever comes up is meant to be i'm a real yes. believer in that and, and we don't we don't feel stuff if we're not ready for it that's it i think we just mm. don't and it's very fearful for for a lot of people i think you know, whether it's looking at photographs or going to therapy or whatever mm. it might be, yeah. uh, journaling even, you know, anything. I think it can be really scary because people are afraid of what might come up. But I, I truly believe what you just said, that if we're not ready for it to come up, it, it generally is not going to come up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I love how passionate you are about, you know, what you're doing and that, I mean, I think part of it, it seems like what drives the passion is that you lived it. Like you walked the shoes and you lived it and you saw the transformation in your life of, um, well, what you did through photography, but also it was, it sounds like it was an extremely intuitive thing that you, you stopped that day that you didn't go to talk therapy and you said, look, I'm going to do something different. I mean, that sounds like it came from a very, very intuitive place within you to try to do something different yeah it was I had an image in my head that I I needed to create and it just wouldn't go away it just kept tapping you know mm -hmm. and saying listen make me create me um and so I couldn't not do it really 
Um, but it was, I knew that talk, I, I'd, I'd done with talking. I'd had enough. I was all talked out and I wanted to do something creative. So it was, I was exhausted. I was absolutely exhausted of talking. I was so done. I mean, so done, so unbelievably done. And photography just made sense to me. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it's what I did, it's what I do. Um, I'd never photographed myself before. Um, and I think I think this, this seed was planted when I got knocked, sorry, that's my dog. <laughs> when the seeds got planted a, a few years previously when I was knocked off my bike um, and um, I had a psych assessment because it threw me into a massive depression and I had a psych assessment and what was reflected back to me really shocked me. I mean, I, I was um, I was severely depressed uh, off the scale for anxiety and PTSD. I mean, it was just like, really? Um, and this guy was like, I mean, I had a really detailed assessment um, and he goes, these are your scores. I'm uh, like, wow, that's uh, amazing. And and I think it was that reflection. I didn't use that word at the time, but he held up to me what I had told him, <laughs> basically. Mm, mm. Interesting. A different yeah, reflection was, besides a photograph, but still a reflection. Yeah. So I think there was that really resonated with me in, in that creative sense. And, and, and then this idea obviously had been forming and it was about me reflecting myself back to myself visually. Mm. Um, and, and I needed to see if it was bad, it's as bad as it felt, you know, it, it was, yeah. So I've done everything that I do for my clients and, I don't do do with them what I haven't done for myself or with someone else for myself, you know, someone who's coaching or mentoring me through, you know, um, creatively. Mm -hmm. um, and I try to live it every day as well. So I have my images to remind me. So, you know, talking about that fear of seeing your own possibility and potential, you know, I have my images up here in my office of my freedom shoot and I can't really be a shit version of me because yeah, she's you can't, going. You can't stay small. She goes, uh -uh, yeah. not anymore. <laughs> you know, you, you, you're way past that now. So right. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, but it's a beautiful reminder, you know, it, it, it is. is, it is like, okay, I need to step up, but you know, she, holds me accountable to be the best version of me that I can possibly be in any mm -hmm. one given day. And, and, you know, it's, I, I try to live that and remind myself of that every hour of every day. Am I doing what I'm called to do? Am I in, a, in alignment with it? Am I feeling this as the right thing to do? So I try to be in my head as little as possible mm, and stay in your heart and in your body and, and how it's feeling. It, yeah, and, and coming think. from that intuitive place, like you right. said, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, as a passionate, experienced woman, this is one of my written interview questions, what <laughs> advice do you have for other women over 50 who may be hesitant to pursue their passions and maybe possibly buck societal norms? Oh, God, don't bloody wait. <laughs> Please. <laughs> you are the change makers you are the what the world needs um if there's something you want to do I, I and you're hesitant to do it it's why are you hesitating are you hesitating because you are afraid that you will be called mad bad or wrong and if that's the case if you're scared of what other people will say or how other people might judge you you know how are you judging yourself to start with but also create something do something you don't have to tell or show anyone. And it Create doesn't have to you. be the right thing because who knows yeah. says what the right thing is, right? Do do something to start. Yeah. Yeah. If you're curious about something, do it. If you want to create something, create it. You don't have to show anyone. I, I mean, I did my face-to-face -face shoot with the intention of never showing anyone ever any of the images. And I would have put all my money and all my possessions on that. It's absolutely no way I would have shown anyone anything. Um, 
and and now I've shown thousands of people mm. my pictures. Mm -hmm. um, we know, just don't know where things are going to go. That's it, no. right? But we just don't know. I, no, but if I hadn't given myself that permission for it to be created just for me, it wouldn't have had the power that it has had for me yes. and that, therefore for other people. So yeah. that's what's really important is, is to follow what your soul is calling you to do. And don't question it. You know, don't you don't need to seek validation from other people. No, you know, I think we're way really, past that. Isn't it often time the most validation we're looking for is from ourselves? Yeah, we don't want to let ourselves down or we don't want to embarrass ourselves or, you know, one of the things when I was thinking about starting this podcast is I kept saying to myself, it's just an experiment. Yeah. And that's how I was able to get past the, oh my yeah. God, the technology, the, all the steps, like all the hard parts. And I just kept saying to myself, it, it's just an experiment. And if it works, yeah. right? and if it doesn't, that's okay too. But it's been gnawing at me for about a year to start it. And it's just an experiment. And yeah. somehow that frees me up inside to yeah. be able to dare to start, dare well, to try. It, mean, it means you don't have, A, don't have to be ready and B, don't have to be perfect. <laughs> um, and who is ready and who is perfect with anything? You no. know, for all the parents out there, were you ever ready to be a parent? No. Of course you weren't there's never a good time there's never a good time to do anything no. um but imperfect action is better than no action doing is how you work out what is going to be the process of creating anything mm. is the beautiful part of all creation i think is think is so the process of getting there and what excites me about creating is that oftentimes you get to a very different place than you began or yeah. you thought you were going. It's like you think yeah. you start in one place, but you then you dare to take those little steps in the direction that you think you want to go, but you stay open and intuitive and in tune. You never know where it's going to take you. And for yeah. me, that's about who I'm going to meet next and you know, what I'm going to learn next and all those things. It's just like, you just never know unless you dare to at least take one little step in the direction you think that you might want to be going. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I love your advice. Just, just bloody do it. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, because, um, you know, like you said, you know, these little voices, they just, they can just be whispers or this small feeling you have in your body to create something, you know, it's like the universe going, go on, just, just do that. Mm. Um, and you don't, you don't need any more reason than just because, mm. or it might be quite fun to find out. And that. we, I think particularly for women over 50, and women in general, actually, but women over 50, you get to an age where you do, you know, like Helen Mirren says, you tell people to fuck off more. Um, and and stuff doesn't matter. Stuff doesn't matter. If you're not harming anyone, what does it matter? And, and if you start it and you don't like it or you're not feeling it, then stop. It doesn't matter. You've tried it, then try the next one. But it's the genius of our age group. It's, it's us lot with still enough energy and all that wisdom and knowledge and life experience, we're the ones who have, I reckon, have, that's where most of the genius is. I, and most that. of it's untapped. Mm. And um, please let your genius out. Yes. Because the world I, needs it. The world needs it. And society, I believe, does not, per, does not generally view women over 50 as the, the gift that, that we are um, with our, yeah. with, the, the genius and the experience and we're invisible and we were invisible. And um, so coming from that point of view and kind of switching things around a little bit to the other side of the coin, what do you think society could do differently to help women help support women over 50 to pursue their passions? Well, I mean, how long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I, think, I think one thing the people who are listening and saying like maybe it's maybe it's you know a man listening maybe it's a young woman listening maybe it's like what could people or in in society do to help support you know women over I think yeah I I mean I I I think there's a huge amount that society can do to support us but 
it comes from us you know i think i think don't don't worry about what society should or could be doing like what can i do now here in this moment you know we we are our masters of our own destiny so we get up up off our asses and we make the effort and we move the mountains and do the do and make magic happen you know we don't need anyone's permission we certainly don't need society to tell us it's okay um, or to provide this safe spaces we create those safe spaces ourselves and if we, cre we create them for each other we create them for ourselves um you know quite frankly uh, stuff the world stuff the world mm -hmm. we do what we want to and, and we we do it our way and every way is different and every way is valid and unique and beautiful um so create, let's let's create them let's create yeah. what we what we need yeah you you are so you are so wise and <laughs> and and i think this like us supporting each other to me that's something that we yes. can do for each other is yes. to support each other and um yeah it makes all the difference it makes all the difference yeah. in the world i think um yeah and but we I, are, the, you know, society is made up of individuals and, and it's, it's individuals making the choices. That's how society changes. And, and I think, you know, as women, if we make the decisions to hear, see and validate each other more, to provide each other space to, to talk and, and to be the listener um, and to bear witness, that's what's important. It is, is women of all ages consciously deciding to do that for each other and slowing down noticing each other more noticing ourselves more and noticing each other more mm. um and really being present in in the presence of another human whether it's or you know online or in person mm. you know, I it's, love that. It's, it's beautiful yeah. yeah i i completely completely agree with you and I'm I'm so appreciative that you were willing to come on today and oh, be very vulnerable and to share, you know, to share a lot of yourself. And Such um, a yeah, I, I really and truly appreciate you, you and likewise. I want to tell people where they can find your gorgeous, inspiring work and where they can connect with you um, online. Thank you. So my website is feelmorecreative.org and that's my Instagram handle as well at feelmorecreative. feelmorecreative.org and feelmorecreative on Instagram are the two yes. best places for people to yes. connect with you. Thank yeah. you so, so much, Catherine, for being on Thank the, you, the premiere episode of Fire Ooh. After 50. It's amazing. You're amazing, Nanette. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you. And I'll talk to you soon. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fire After 50 podcast. Please check the show notes for links and resources to everything we mentioned in this episode. And if you'd like to be a guest on my podcast, please visit my website at nanettefaygordon.com. And surprise, surprise, I specialize in photographing women over 50. If you'd like more information, you can log on to my website. Thank you for listening.